E2i Design is a full solutions provider for all things audio, video, lighting, and broadcast. Whether it be design, installation, or offering gear for a great price, E2i Design supports you by providing the right tools for the job. Look them up on Facebook or Instagram at E2i Design or visit their website, E2iDesign.com. Each year, one in three seniors dies with Alzheimer's or another dementia. More than 6 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's. And in 2020, COVID-19 contributed to a 17% increase in Alzheimer's and dementia deaths. It kills more people than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. In 2022, Alzheimer's and other dementias will cost the nation $321 billion. By 2050, these costs could rise to nearly $1 trillion. That's where you come in. The Walk to End Alzheimer's is an annual effort to raise awareness, defray costs, and and increase research funding of this deadly disease. Get involved by starting a walk team today. It's free and just might save a life. Find out more at alz.org. That's alz.org. Episode 310 of the Motor City HDJ podcast is here and it is titled Put a Ring on It? Yeah, there's a question mark in there, fam. We're going to get to it. But since the beginning of recorded history, the intention to commit one's eternal love to another has been marked by the giving and receiving of a ring, more specifically, an engagement ring. But have you ever really sat down to understand why you gave a ring or why you will give a ring? Look, in the United States, a whopping 17 tons of gold are transformed into wedding and engagement rings annually, and it's a billion-dollar industry. But how did it get to that point? So today, I am unpacking everything there is to understand about this age-old tradition as we enter into yet another engagement season. Of course, my sponsor, E2i Design. Visit their website, e2idesign.com, or on social media, at E2i Design. Put a ring on it? There's that question mark again. Episode 310 of the Motor City HDJ podcast is on right now. Well, Motor City, it is your DJ, Brett Cummins. How you doing? How you been? We are smack dab in the middle of this season of thanks and giving, and I am thankful for you. I just want you to know that. I am thankful for you tuning in to another episode of this here podcast. It is a labor of love, and I am happy to have you along for the ride. I trust your holiday season's going well, and no matter which holiday or holidays you celebrate, I just hope the time you get to spend with your family and your friends is fruitful and brings joy to your life. Thanksgiving was great for us, and I always look forward to the hustle and bustle of the upcoming Christmas holiday. As a quick update, I'm still putting together all of the facts and figures for this year that was 2023, so I'll be working on that episode. I think it's going to be the last one of the year, but that's going to come down the pipe here pretty soon. Make sure to dial in when that one drops because it was a fun year. 2023 was great, and I am excited to talk about all the goodness that happened in 2023. Winter is here, and I don't mean to go the Game of Thrones route. Never watched the show. Probably a good thing. You know, I heard it was good, but I I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. (laughs) So I could have said winter is coming, but no, winter is around the corner. And for most of us wedding industry professionals, peak wedding season is winding down. Soon we will be figuratively storing up food for the winter. We're going to begin looking for new business, hopefully booking new business for what is sure to be a bustling 2024. And for us, we call this time of year engagement season. For most of you, this means traveling to spend time with your loved ones, your family. For wedding industry professionals, the time that other people spend with their loved ones and family 
means more business. All this holiday time is really just an opportunity to get together, and it's natural. It is a natural and perfect setting for some of you out there to drop a knee and ask that age-old question, can I be your forever person? We love when (laughs) we hear about those conversations and when people reach out to us to let us know that they had those conversations, but it is a tough question to ask for some if you don't have the proper equipment. I mean, you could, and people do, propose without a ring, but it has a different impact. And as I was thinking about engagement season, the question hit me, do we really understand the reason behind the tradition of wearing engagement rings and wedding rings? And I realized that I didn't. And this is coming from a guy who briefly discussed today's topic in episode 303 earlier this year when I gave you a taste of history, but I really wanted to dive deeper into the origin of this tradition and understand why it's so significant to the wedding experience. So you're welcome. I did more research just for you. You're not going to have to turn to BuzzFeed or somebody. I got you right here. I mean, yes, we know the Queen Bee. She wrote a song about it. And at almost every wedding ceremony, the officiant paints this picture of the ring as a continuous circle with no beginning and no end. Just as eternity has no beginning and no end. You know, it's beautiful, right? Why do we wear rings at all. So I'm going to dive into a few different areas of this. We're going to take it all the way back to Egyptian times, kind of swing around the Christian origins into, uh, you know, the 1800s, 1940s into World War II. We'll talk about the ring finger. We'll talk about why diamonds are forever. We'll look at modern day, the investment uh, that people spend nowadays as well. So we got to go back all the way to uh, Egyptian times to start this journey. And the history of wedding rings, like many other long-standing traditions, Uh, you know, everyone's got their ideas of where things came from. It is somewhat unclear, but one belief about the origin of wedding and engagement rings can be traced back to ancient Egypt. Somewhere about 4,800 years ago, women would adorn themselves with rings and various decorative ornaments they would craft by twisting and braiding sedges and rushes and reeds. These were all plants that grew alongside papyrus. And if you know anything about earth, (laughs) papyrus is what gave us paper. There's the root of the word right there. Papyrus is very famous worldwide. Of course, it was the Egyptian pharaohs that attributed the symbolism of eternity to rings due to that circular shape. It would signify a lack of both beginning and end. And it's interesting because the concept of the circle which represents eternity without a starting or ending point, it held significance not only for Egyptians, but also for various ancient cultures. The central hole in the ring wasn't just an empty space. It symbolized a gateway or a door opening to both known and unknown things and events. So giving a woman a ring symbolized a love that is never-ending and immortal. Those sedges and rushes and reeds, unfortunately, didn't stand the test of time. So people started using stuff like leather or bone or ivory instead. And the fancier the material, the more love it was seen to represent for the person getting the ring. Plus, the value of the ring was a clear display of how loaded (laughs) the giver was. The more valuable the material, the more money you had, the more loaded you were. So when Alexander the Great took over Egypt, the Greeks started giving rings as a way to show devotion. 
And then the Romans got in on the tradition too, but they put their own spin on it. Instead of handing out rings as a symbol of love, they used them as a sign of ownership. Roman men would basically claim their woman by giving her a ring. These engagement rings were later then crafted from iron, and then they were given the name annulus pronubus, symbolizing strength and lasting commitment. Fun fact, the Romans, by the way, were supposedly the pioneers of engraving on rings. So what once started as a symbol of love quickly turned into a symbol of ownership from just that quick transition from Egyptian to Roman culture. It was the Christians around 860. They began incorporating rings into marriage ceremonies, but these weren't often the plain bands that we're familiar with today. They were often intricately decorated with engravings of doves or lyres or two linked hands. Not lyres, L-I-A-R-S, but L-Y-R-E-S. Man, you guys ought to open up a dictionary or something. I, I had to. I'm not going to lie. I had to Google that one as well. However, uh, the church, as far as those rings are concerned, they disapproved of the ornate rings and they deemed them heathenish. So by the 13th century, wedding and betrothal rings underwent significant simplification. They took them from being something so ornate to just being simple. And they adopted a more spiritual appearance. It was a bishop who fittingly referred to them as a symbol of the union of hearts. As time passed, there were changes in the styles and designs of rings. In the Western world, rings gained popularity during World War II. So we do make a little bit of a time jump here. But in World War II, that's where it really marked a significant shift, not just for engagement rings, but also for wedding bands. The prevalence of the modern engagement ring tradition we can actually trace it all the way back to this era of World War II when servicemen would give this ring as a, as a promise to return and marry their women after the war, they would propose to their sweethearts. Many engagement rings, though, during this time, during World War II, featured less costly gemstones and fewer precious metals, well, clearly because of wartime material shortages. Additionally, World War II actually played a pivotal role in introducing men's wedding bands, a practice uncommon earlier on in history. So it was World War II where us guys, we started wearing the wedding bands. Married soldiers started wearing wedding bands during deployment as a heartfelt connection to their wives back home. And over time, this tradition extended to the civilian population. And like I said, men's wedding bands remain widely worn today. So really just a very basic look at where engagement rings and where wedding bands both came from. But what about where we wear them? Put a ring on it? You know, that's the whole deal. If you're going to put a ring on it, where are you going to wear the ring? What finger do you wear the ring on? A lot of conversation and discussion about this over history. And throughout various historical periods, wedding rings found their place on different fingers, even the thumb, and on both left and right hands. Now, according to a tradition possibly stemming from the Romans, the left hand finger, the, the fourth finger, became the popular choice. We now affectionately refer to it as the ring finger. But the belief was that this finger had a vein known as the vena amoris or the vein of love, which was directly linked to the heart. Now, 
Science has de- debunked that <laughs> and broken that one down. Uh, despite that debunction, that myth still holds its ground for many, especially all of you hopeless romantics out there, as the top reason why rings grace the fourth finger. This belief is why the tradition of wearing a wedding ring on that finger carries on to this day so much that, like I said, your digit in that position is now affectionately referred to as the ring finger. It turns out Christians may have a more plausible reason for putting the ring on the left hand. In early Christian marriages, a ritual involved wearing the wedding ring on the third finger. During the binding ceremony, as the priest recited in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he would touch the thumb, index finger, and middle finger with the ring. Then, as he said, amen, the ring would find its place on that fourth finger, the ring finger, sealing the marriage. A more practical theory, though, suggests that the choice of the left hand for wedding rings, typically made of soft metals like gold, is rooted in the fact that the left hand being less used by most right-handed people, is less prone to wear an injury. Additionally, the fourth finger on the left hand is likely the second least utilized finger after the pinky. And given the small size of pinkies, which limits the space for decoration, people might have opted for the next least used finger, the fourth finger on the left hand, which is relatively similar in size to the other fingers. I do want to say it's worth noting that in numerous countries, including Norway, Russia, Greece, Ukraine, Bulgaria, Poland, Austria, Germany, Portugal, and Spain, the wedding ring is traditionally worn on the ring finger of the right hand, not the left. And in Jewish tradition, the groom places the ring on the bride's index finger, bypassing the ring finger altogether. So where they came from, why they exist, which finger we wear them on, but what about diamonds? What happened that the engagement ring went from being this sentimental piece now being something so expensive, right? It was something that was made by hand. That's how it started. It started as something made by hand, and then eventually, yes, through history, it became more ornate, but why is <laughs> why are engagement rings so darn expensive? Well, The surge in popularity of diamond engagement rings is actually older than you think. Took off in the mid-18th century, particularly after Brazil became a major diamond source, which made them much more accessible. The Victorian era witnessed a further boost in their popularity attributed to Queen Victoria I and her fondness for diamond jewelry. During her time, diamond rings became a coveted trend for the affluent, but it wasn't until the late 19th century that they were officially marketed as the standard for engagement rings. Maybe you've heard of Tiffany and Company, you know, that little blue box. In 1886, Charles Louis Tiffany, the founder of Tiffany and Company, he introduced the iconic Tiffany setting, which presents a solitaire diamond in a four-prong setting. This design elevates the gemstone prominently above the ring band and remains a timeless classic for engagement rings. And throughout the earliest part of the 20th century, diamonds maintained their status as the preferred choice for engagement rings. 
There were many uh, numerous Edwardian and Art Deco designs incorporating multiple diamonds, which really set you apart from everybody else. But in the late 1940s, kind of already talked about it, there was a surge in weddings, followed by a baby boom, which occurred as soldiers returned home from the war. And it was during that period when De Beers, you may know about De Beers, but you may not know about De Beers because they launched their iconic A Diamond is Forever advertising campaign, which really solidified their position as the world's preferred center stone. Diamonds then experienced a sharp increase in demand over the ensuing decades, which was driven by magazine ads and celebrities endorsing them as the ultimate expression of a man's commitment to his fiancée or wife. And then in 1953, Marilyn Monroe famously crooned about diamonds in the song Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend during her role in the movie Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. So diamonds have taken off from various points in time in the 1940s, thanks to Tiffany and Co., thanks to De Beers, right? Really put diamonds on the map as the way people propose. That's what an engagement ring is supposed to be. So let's bring it all home to where we are today. And while times have changed, the tradition of wearing wedding and engagement rings persists, especially in Christian marriages, albeit with unique twists based on a couple's style. Uh, Wedding Wire, you've heard me talk about them and the not. Wedding Wire reveals that almost 20% of millennials shopped for an engagement ring together before the proposal. And then one in three shares images of rings they like with their partner. So to me personally, the engagement ring is supposed to be something that, you know, I know there needs to be some communication there. You definitely don't want to wear something that you might not like. At the same time, it's supposed to be an act of love and adoration. Uh, My situation's a little different because Rosanna's dad literally designed her engagement ring. And so she already knew that that was going to happen. And yeah, I got a great deal because I knew somebody. So <laughs> that's how that goes. But to me, the engagement ring is something, um, you know, I'm kind of old school in that way. It should kind of be a surprise, but I get it. You know, you don't want to have something on your hand that you're not going to like, or you're not going to enjoy showing off or looking at. There's a balance between this ring being an object of affection and love and joy versus it just being an object. You know, you do you, boo. Whatever you want to do, it's your ring. But yeah, it's all about the intention of giving the ring, I think. But at the end of the day, many couples now choose to buy their wedding rings jointly, blending romance with practicality. And in in the case of same-sex couples, there might be two engagement rings or none at all. So lots to think about when it comes to the actual process of shopping for an engagement ring and buying one here in modern day. Uh, According to a survey by The Knot, this was back in 2021, but it still holds up. Diamonds continue to dominate as the most favored engagement stone, accounting for 86% with the round cut 41% retaining its top position. However, the oval shape has experienced a gradual rise in popularity, increasing from 2% in 2015 to 19% in 2021 at the time of the survey. Ring features like shape and setting maintain their significance, while size has actually become less crucial. The preference for white gold engagement rings has decreased over the years, dropping from 61% in 2017 to less than half, uh, 45% at the time of the survey in 2021. 
Conversely, yellow gold engagement rings are making a comeback. We've witnessed an 11% increase since 2017. On average, engagement rings are sized at one and a half carats, and one in four rings exceeds two carats. So for those of you hoping for that three carat diamond, so sorry, that average at one and a half, hey, if you're buying the ring, congratulations, I just saved you a ton of money (laughs) because you just listen, hey, whatever, I mean, a carat and a half is still a lot of diamond. It's still a lot of rock on your finger, but I just saved you money from having to double that rock in size. The biggest thing about where we are these days is that there's a growing eco-conscious mindset, which is evident. 34% of people consider it less important for the ring or stone to be a natural stone, which marks an 8% decrease since 2019. So less people are concerned about it being, uh, you know, a natural stone like a diamond than maybe something like a hybrid or uh, a man-made artificial type stone. Gen Z actually places less important on this compared to millennials. 28% compared to 35% of millennials, and then Gen X, 41%. So you can see us older folks. I would consider myself to be Gen X. I was born in 1980 on the dot. I include myself in Gen X. Rosanna doesn't think so, but I'm I'm holding on, (laughs) scratching and clawing to my Gen X status. But as you look at that, us older folks have more importance on the diamond than do the younger generation. 41% Gen X, 35% Millennial, 28% Gen Z. In 2021, at the time of that survey, nearly one in four engagement rings featured a center stone that was man-made. That's 25%, which is an 11% increase in the past two years and a commitment to sustainability. So again, more people now trying to veer away from the natural rock Go with something that's a hybrid or man-made to help protect the earth. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, it's coming from the earth. And as long as the earth continues to produce it, why not enjoy it? But, I mean, I see the value of protecting what we have and, you know, going going a different route. So, completely, you know, it's it's a preferential thing, whatever you want to do. Now, I am fascinated. Maybe this is me as... You know what my friends on 97.1 call it, either rookie old guy or veteran young guy. I still find myself at 43 in veteran young guy territory. And this is where I start to perk up. Let's talk about investment. What about the amount of money people spend for a ring these days? According to that same survey from The Knot, the overall spending on engagement rings remained constant in 2021, standing at $6,000, consistent with pre-pandemic numbers in 29, uh, 2019 rather, at $5,900. So only a $100 difference over those two years. And as you probably imagined, the costs of rings vary based on the type of stone, with the average expense for a clear diamond engagement ring, $6,800, compared to an average of $2,500 for a gemstone. And here are the numbers that fascinate me. Again, it goes back to the groups of people buying engagement rings. This is what fascinates me the most. If you consider the spending habits between millennials and Gen Z, so not even Generation X, 
We'll just look at the two younger groups to me, right? So millennials, we're going to call that group 25 to 34. Gen Z, we're going to call 18 to 24. In 2021, millennials allocated $6,700 for an engagement ring. Gen Z was $2,000 and some change less, $4,100 on their engagement rings. That's fascinating to me. (laughs) Um, I, I don't... I guess I don't get it, but that's a conversation for another episode. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. We got that old money, right? Us old folks now, we got that old money. We're spending on concert tickets and homes, <laughs> and I, I don't know. I, I just don't get it. But look at those spending habits. It's, it's interesting. $6,700 for millennials, $4,100 for Gen Z on their engagement rings. And among those who established a budget for their engagement ring, Approximately two-thirds stuck to the budget, while nearly 30% exceeded their planned expenditure. They went over their budget, which was a 9% increase since 2020. So in conclusion, Motor City, love is expensive. (laughs) That's the bottom line. If you want to love someone, pony up the dough, sweetheart. No, Uh, (laughs) anything we love and give our attention to is it is going to be expensive sure there is no doubt that it is a wonderful thing to spend the rest of your life with someone that you care about someone that is your forever person but yes it's definitely going to be an investment if you're uh, just recently engaged listening to this you've already been through this if you're in uh, if you're not engaged yet and you're listening to this yeah No matter how you choose to show your affection in this engagement season, it should be from the heart. It should be something that makes sense for both the one giving the ring and the one wearing the ring. So no matter what, do it from the heart and uh, that'll be the best way to go. And there's your history lesson for today. So all the way from back then to all the way today. Thank you for sticking around. If you're still listening, thanks for being with me. I'll have another episode for you soon. No matter what you do, just make it a great week and be kind to each other. 